Welcome to the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at vkcwest.com. Today we're going to be talking about mission. We've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount, and we've entitled it Kingdom Living, because Jesus is really pointing out towards the way that things are ultimately going to be in his kingdom, when his kingdom comes in its fullness. And he's asking us to live the way that it's going to be now. Like this morning, we, we gathered at nine o'clock every Sunday and we pray. And we read a passage in Revelation, last book of the Bible, and it, where it talked about that, um, you know, that God will just be amongst people. And there'll be no more tears and no more dying. And, and, and so Jesus is calling us to live towards that way now. And so I was thinking about mission, and of course, there's like Mission Impossible, right? The movies and Tom Cruise and other actors before that. And it's, you know, if, if you, you know, if you choose to accept this mission, here's your mission. And I, I went on a mission this week because uh, I went to my mom's house in Palm Springs, and uh, every once in a while I go out and visit her. And uh, I've adopted most things from Kansas City, like um, your guys' football team is way better. Um, than, uh, than the football team that I came from. Um, uh, the, the barbecue is way better, uh, for sure. Uh, you actually have seasons. Uh, if you don't know, I'm, I'm from the West Coast, and so uh, we've been here about a little over four, four and a half years. And, uh, but there's one thing that I just, I more want to influence. And for some of you, this will be silly, but um, I love apple fritters. And so, anybody else like a good apple fritter? Okay, so... So the apple, fr- there's something wrong. It's, there's something wrong about the apple fritters here. And if you can tell me where I can find one the way that I want, let me know. But here they're just, they seem soggy and just not good. And so uh, the West Coast apple fritters, they're, they're oh, I, I don't even know how I can explain it. Just crispy and good. And there's like real apple in it. It's fresh and it's just, it's just so good. So when I was at my mom's, I decided, uh, Will, our youth pastor, um, says he loves apple fritters. I'm like, okay, you're Arkansas, Midwest, you know, so I'm going to bring you an apple fritter for my mom. So I went to, and I, I got four, and they're just huge from this place. And, and the guy says, well, no, you got to put them in a box. And I said, no, I'm flying. And he says, well, you got to put them in a box. I'm like, no, just put them in the bag. So I put them in my bag and, and I've got them. And I'm, I even put my backpack underneath the seat a different way so it doesn't smash them. And, and it's just clear I'm on this mission to bring these apple fritters back. The, the three weren't for me, the extras, you know, one was for Will. It was for my sons. I, I had a little bit too. Um, but, um, I mean, so next time, just let me see a show of hands. Like who would like an apple fritter? Like I'm talking about. Okay. So it's going to be like Oprah up in here next time I go to California. It's like, you get an apple fritter, you get an apple fritter. You guys know what I'm talking about? So that's what it's going to, I'm going to do it. It's going to be on there. But Jesus has been talking about like a whole life on mission. Like I was super focused about getting those things, bringing back here, but Jesus is really pushing on us throughout the Sermon on the Mount that our whole life would be wrapped around the kingdom, like we just say. And last week, it came to a confluence, like a confluence is like where two rivers come together and now they're flowing as one. We see that around here with some of the rivers. But everything came to a confluence last week when he said this, and Steve taught us this, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, 
where moss and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moss and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then Jesus shares a, let me be clear, a couple of verses later. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so money to Jesus represents uh, mammon. That's the Greek word. So it's, it's like the world rich system. So it's like, it's just like giving yourself to this whole system and just saying everything that I ever will have, I can get now. And I'm just going to go after it with all that I am and all that I have. And so he's contrasting these things. Now, notice he doesn't say you can't have money. He's just saying, don't serve it. Let it serve you. You could be the, you could be the, the richest person in the world and be one of the closest people to God and let it serve you. You could be one of the poorest people in the world and be the farthest from God because you're still within the system. So it doesn't have to do with the amount. It has to do with your relationship with it. And so Jesus isn't putting on a seminar here. I I think that's important for us to notice. Um, Jesus isn't like giving a TED talk, like amongst other TED talks. And hey, isn't this interesting? Maybe we should consider this. Jesus is saying, this is the way that it is, people. He's saying, you cannot serve two masters. This is just, it's, it's like the law of gravity. You will despise the one and love the other. You cannot just have both. And so what Jesus does next is interesting. He does a, a presumptive close. So if you're in sales, uh, presumptive close is, is I've shared with you and you've agreed what's important to you. Now let's close the deal. This is what life is like now. This is what we're going to do now, now that you're in. And so he doesn't sit there and say, do you agree or not agree? agree?" He just says, I'm assuming you all get this and now come along and let me share with you what life is like. And so that's where we start in verse 25. And he is getting at mission. He's getting at being on mission with him and going after it with him. And so let's read together. Verse 25, it says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your clothes, what you will wear is not life more than food in the body more than clothes. So many of you know, if you ever see a therefore in scripture, it's referring to what's before and what was the point that Jesus made, that you can't serve both God and money, other things. And so because of that, or therefore, don't worry. So now he's saying, now it's obvious that you would choose the way of life that you would choose God and serve him versus this system. Because of that, don't worry. Don't worry about the basics of life. Now, the people that Jesus spoke to, most of them, uh, what, he, what he speaks about is really food, drink, and clothing. And shelter, that's what he means by it. But here's the thing. For most of them, that's all that they had. This is just the basics of life. And so for them, he's speaking right to that. Most of us, we look at that and we look at, it it needs to expand to the abundance because he's just speaking to the basics. 
But he says, therefore, basically, because you can't serve God in money, and now that you have chosen to serve God, don't worry. Don't worry. And the worry here is about life. And so it means to be like troubled about life. And in the word, even life is like psyche. It's where we get our word psychology. And, 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 but it, it means like breath. Don't be worried about the breath of life. Don't be worried about the things you need to breathe and survive in life. Don't worry about those. Don't be troubled about the cares of that. And yet, you may find this true that when we worry, like we go down into this dip, into this valley, really with our relationship with God, and we're arguing with God just to provide the basics for us. And, you know, and, and we do get into worry. In, in some people, quite honestly, in talking to people that have come to know Jesus as their savior, they never move past this. They never move past the place of just saying, God, will you meet my needs? God, will you meet my needs? God, will you meet my needs? And he, he saved you literally from eternal separation from him. But then there's just this place of just saying, God, will you just meet my needs? And usually it's because the needs are really more wants and the desires, the full desire hasn't switched to his kingdom and being on mission. It's still kind of in this place of just meeting those. And I understand it. Life is scary. But if we're like that, then we're like a, there's a little boy story that the circus was coming to town and, and he heard all about it. And so he asked his dad, uh, he heard that the circus was a dollar. And so his dad said, look, if you, if you work all day, I'll give you a dollar and tomorrow you can go to the circus. So he works all day, he earns the dollar from his dad. And then the next day he goes and he stands on Main Street and he sees the lions and the tigers and the elephants and the clowns and all the performers coming down the street and the band playing. And at the very end, there's this clown taking up the rear of the parade. And he hands his dollar to the clown. He says, thank you very much. And he goes home. Well, what did he do? All he saw was the parade. He didn't even see the circus. See, that parade is, is like us. It's just the basics of life. And yet, if our prayer life and our relationship with God is just like, God, provide the basics, provide the basics. But there's so much more. So don't worry about those things, Jesus says. And then he, gives, he, he tells us what to focus on. Instead of worrying, he says to do this. In verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So this is where you guys would respond. Say amen. amen. Say yes. Because yes. I really think that as Jesus was saying this, I think that's what he meant. See, this is one of my go-to passages when I... Uh, like when I feel down or I get focused on other things because it does that to my soul because I have to answer the question. So in verse 27, it says, can any of you by worrying at a single hour to your life right there, you would probably say no. And why do you worry about clothes? And right there you'd say, why do I worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? 
or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. So going back verse 26, look at the birds. Um, it says that your heavenly father feeds them. So when it says that they don't toil or spin or sow or reap, he's saying that they don't worry about food. And notice that he doesn't say, uh, look at your neighbor or look at your brother or look at your best friend or, or look at the movie star or look at the famous person. Like, he doesn't say that. He says, look at the birds. And that's where you'll get your comfort about provision and the basics of life. And so he's pointing out, like, here's truth. Like, this truth can't be messed with. And I've applied this all over the world. I've applied it in the West Coast, the East Coast, the middle of the country. I've applied it in Scotland and Thailand and Mexico and Canada. And everywhere I go, I look and the birds are provided for by their father. It's a truth that can't be soiled. It's a truth that can't be messed up. And then he says, your father has made you more valuable than the birds. So answer that question in your heart. Are you? Because it's that's where worry comes in, is where we think to ourselves that we have little value. We think to ourselves that we're an afterthought of our father, and yet David wrote in the Psalms 139, he talked about how the thoughts of God towards a person are greater than the kernels of sand throughout the whole earth. His thoughts towards you are greater than those. And so he calls us to, to see ourselves as that valuable. And also, too, we, we really see that worrying is a poor alternative. Because worrying doesn't impact or, or affect your life. Because he says, look, who of you can add any time to your life by worrying? Like, it actually doesn't do anything other than the saying that, like, if, if some, whatever you're worried about does happen, the problem is you just go through it twice. You experienced all the emotions of it beforehand, and then when it actually does happen, you go through it again, and you, you didn't have any control. And then in verse 28, uh, he, he, he points to the, to, so the birds had to do with food, the, and then uh, the flowers have to do with clothes, or you could think shelter too. See how the flowers of the field, and they don't worry about clothes, right? They don't worry about those things, and yet they're beautiful. Like out here in Kansas, you know, the, the, the sunflower fields, which is so beautiful. I mean, and they're, they have a design to them. They have a design. We, we planted at our house, uh, we planted, um, what, are, what do we plant? Out in our front yard? Hydrangeas. Anybody know hydrangeas? Yeah, we haven't seen any flowers yet. It's been two years. Oh, we saw one flower. Okay. But there's beautiful leaves, you know. Beautiful, beautiful green leaves. But God has a design, and, and he clothes them that way. And he says that even Solomon, the richest man that ever lived, or king, wasn't clothed in that way. And so God promises to take care of us and to clothe us. But then the, the question here, too, is, is how much more uh, will God clothe you, the crown jewel of his creation, you know, because the grass of the field and the flowers, they die or they're burned away. But how much more are you worth? And how much more will he clothe you? And so answer the question in your heart. 
And he also, he also says, oh, you of little faith, in verse 30. So he, he doesn't say it directly, but he's showing us that trade worry for faith. And it's hard. Some of us, when we hear faith, we're like, oh, that thing that like, I'm supposed to like, keep doing, but it never happens. No, faith is the vehicle of how we know and walk with God. Faith is, is how we get in and we, we go with him. And so it's saying, instead of worrying, turn your focus to him. Turn your focus to him and you'll receive provision as well for that. And, and then he says, he ends with uh, the pagans. So basically those not interested in God or those that have rejected God, they go after all of those things. And now he's narrowing in the target here for us about mission because they seek after these things. So he's saying that, that this group of people, the pagans, that they just seek after all of this. That's, just, that's what's on their mind when they get up. That's what's on their, what's on their mind when they go to bed is what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? How am I going to be clothed? And how can I just 10X this and expand this and just multiply this and just how can I get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger? And yet he says, your heavenly father knows that you need them. And he's attentive and affectionate and caring. And he's good. He knows absolutely what you need. And so at this point, it's, it's important to highlight something because some of you may be thinking this. Wait a minute, Cody. Aren't there people that don't have food? Aren't there people that don't have water? Aren't there people that don't have clothes? And it's hard because we love to approach the Bible and we love to apply all the things that make us feel really good to us. And then the things that maybe challenge us or maybe are hard, we say, well, that's me. That's not me. Right? And so we love to apply this passage to us. And I'll get to that in a second and really try to answer the question, can you apply what Jesus is saying to yourself? But Recognize that the context of what Jesus is doing. He's in Judea, this place. Uh, it's during a time that there was provision. He's speaking to his disciples that are learning to be on mission and live life like him. So you have to think contextually. He's speaking to his disciples that will be going on mission to share the good news and in share this with others. And so also there's not a great drought during this time. It doesn't appear. It appears like there's an abundance of provision for people. So he's saying all these things will be provided for you and I'll set it up. That's the context that we start with. So it's important to look at that. It's also important to understand that he's not promising the absence of trouble. Uh, he's also not promising the absence of delays according to your expectations or my expectations. He's not promising that there won't be 11th hour answers. And he's also not promising that he'll always do it in the way that you see fit. That sometimes his provision is beyond what your comfort zone. 
But the whole idea is, is that he's attentive and he knows what you need. Um, as far as people that don't have clothes or food um, or water, uh, isn't it true that God has provided abundantly for all of those needs across the earth? He's provided way more resources than can be used. Don't believe the news. He's provided abundantly for people. Every single person on the face of the earth. So what's the problem? Well, people, the games that we play, the power games, the government games, the country games, the, the, the race games, the, the ethnic games, the, you know, the, the, uh, all of those games that people play to hurt other people is why we see the situations where there's no food and no water and no clothes. Well, you say, well, there's a drought in that place, right? But I mean, can we not figure out a way? Can we not push past that? I mean, many times there's aid that can go into countries, but they won't, we won't give it because of the relationship of this or, or the country won't take it because of the relationship of that. And so people end up being the problem in those situations. And that breaks down at some point, I know, but he's provided abundantly. But what about this here? Can I apply this to me? Let me say this. He is talking to his disciples, and I think that that's the, I think you can apply this fully to yourself if you're one on mission with Jesus. I don't know that you can fully apply it to yourself if you're not fully on mission, like if you're not on mission with Jesus. Because it's who he's talking to. And it's what he means. And so, now, hold, hold on a minute. Don't get riled up. Because maybe a few of us are saying, well, wait a minute, I thought everybody's God's child. I thought, I thought everybody, I thought God is good, for, and I thought he provides for everybody. And I thought, yeah, that's true. For sure, he is good. The Bible says that he sends his rain upon the just and the unjust. I mean, he provides for those that totally reject him, right? I mean, I mean, the very air that someone breathes that they use to actually say that there is no God or to reject God or to curse God is the very air that God gives for them. And he's created the environment that they can actually have that. So don't worry. It's true that God is good. But to apply this passage in this way to ourselves, I think we need to say to ourselves, you know, am I on mission with God? Am I on mission with him? Because again, we play games. Uh, I do this when I do projects at our house. Uh, typically I'll get up on a ladder and I'm working on something and Michelle, my wife, or my boys will say, do you need my help? No, come on. Do I look like I need anyone's help? I've got tools got everything I need. I'm doing this thing with water or electricity or pain or something. I, I don't need anybody's help. I mean, this is good. I've got Willie Nelson playing on the, on the music, right? Or Merle Haggard. That's what I like to listen to when I do projects and break things. <laughs> and without a doubt, typically the longest it'll go is 10 minutes and I get into the thing and I've gotten myself into a situation where I'm holding something up and I'm on one leg and I'm, I can't move and reach something and Michelle, 
you know? And then I go to boys, and, uh, and then all of a sudden their entire afternoon is taken up being a gopher for me, right? Don't we treat God that way sometimes? We. No, no, no I'm doing my thing. I'm good. I don't need, I don't need you. And I, it, but, but then when we need, for sure, it's like, hey, God, what about the deal we have? Come on. You help me. You help me. That's what we do. And just to be crystal clear, God's heart towards you is loving and abundant and affectionate. And he just wants to shower that love and that blessing upon you. So don't hear that God's heart is like you're not doing enough. That's not the point. The point is, are you receiving it? Are you walking in it? See, I learned something that, you know, sometimes I'd go times where I wasn't really slowing down and just being with God. I mean, I was praying for people and doing things and preaching and pastoring and all this stuff, but just slowing and being with him. And then when I would slow down and I was sitting in my chair and just like, and then it's, it's harder. It feels like there's distance. That intimacy maybe isn't there. And for a long time, I sat there saying, come on, God. I mean, I'm here. And then what I realized is it was me. He's like, so am I. But I'd lost the muscles of just being intimate and being with him. It was me that couldn't receive. And so can you apply this to yourself? Yeah. But are you on mission? I was thinking, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about an English powerlifting coach that came over my senior year of high school from England. Um, well, he, yeah, that's where he lived, English, England. So, and, uh, but he was interesting, you know, when we would like bench press, uh, we would just, you know, if you're spotting somebody, you'd lift it up. Got it? Got it. Okay. He had this whole system where we, it was, it was more proper. And so when you would lift with coach Berman, uh, you, he would say, look, this is how I want you to do it. You know, and he says, he says, he says, when you, when someone lifts the bar for you, I want you to say, my bar, my bar. And so that's how we had to do it. We all had to say, if we're on the bench, someone would lift it, we'd say, my bar. And the person would say, do you have the bar? My bar. Very proper, but it was very intentional. That's something I liked about it. We can do that with our lives. We can say to God, you got it? And he says, my bar, I've got it. I've got your life. But let us not just adopt that. Let us also adopt that in the very same breath, Jesus, God would say, my bar, I've got you, my life. Are you on mission? Are you on mission for me? Or are you seeking after all of these things that even the people that don't know God are seeking after? Are you wrapping your life around them? Like maybe when we look at the way we feel or the problems we have in our lives, maybe we feel that way is because we're not on mission. We're not seeking after the things of God. And listen, it's not that you, it's not saying you can't enjoy the things of this life. Enjoy the things of this life. God has given you everything for your enjoyment and for your good. 
but will you make it a part of that mission? And, and that your whole life is this mission with God. And, and, you know, some of you might say, well, Cody, that's easy for you to say you're a pastor. Let me tell you, I'm a pastor because I'm on mission. I'm not on mission because I'm a pastor. This is the way that I live out my mission in Jesus Christ is because when I was a young man, Jesus gripped my heart and saved me and rescued me and began to heal me. And I, I, said, I said, I will go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I am yours. My life is no longer mine, as Paul says. Show me what it is and I will follow you. And he spoke to me one day. He said, I want you to be a pastor. And I said, no, you don't. And I said, well, you're going to have to show me how to do that. So what is the way that you are on mission? What is the way that you live that out? This is what Jesus says it's like. In verse 33, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. What things? All that basic stuff that we worry about. He's like, look, if you get on mission, all these things will be added unto you. That's why you don't need to worry. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So he says, seek first. So his kingdom is his rule and his reign. So we seek for God to rule and reign in our hearts and our lives, and to rule and reign in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces. That the way God wants things to be would be that way first in me, and then it would be worked out into the world around me. That's first what it means to be on mission and to seek his kingdom. And then he says, and to seek his righteousness. So we seek right relationships. This is the kind of stuff that he's talked about in this sermon already, where he says, he says, you know, uh, you've heard it say, do this, or you just love those that love you. But I say, love your enemies. Forgive those that harm you. That's how he says to have right relationships. So we seek that out first. His kingdom and his righteousness, this is mission. And so mission is people. Mission is relationships. And so you can become the best prayer. You can be the, become the best Bible study person. You can um, become the best religious act person, however you want. But unless it actually interacts with other real people, you are not on mission. Unless people are affected by your relationship with Jesus Christ and it flows into their lives and their life flows into yours and you're offended by them and you offend them and, and, and it's just this real thing where there's contact. Christianity is a contact sport. I have a friend, a preacher, um, he just retired recently after 30 years at the same church and 50 years as a pastor, but he used to always say that, uh, you know, Christians are like porcupines trying to snuggle. But it's true, right? And so you're going to get poked. Are you on mission with him? Being on mission with him is learning from Jesus how he sees people. It's learning from Jesus how he sees things. It's learning from Jesus what he thinks of a certain person or a situation. It's learning from Jesus how he would live your life. In your time, what does that look like? The Apostle Paul 
he wrote to the Corinthians and he talked to them about being ambassadors. And, and he talked about how every person that is in Christ is a new creation, that the old is gone and everything's new. Doesn't that sound good? And, and here's the thing. It's, um, it's cyclical and perpetual and linear and everything you want it to be because you get second and third and you know, you all these chances. And you, you're not just made new once, you're being made new. And then he goes on and he says, look, this good news, you're an ambassador of that. And so bring the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God into all that you do. And then he says, it's as if, and it is, that God is making his appeal to the world through us. And isn't that the truth? It's good news and scary news that you are the letter that people read about who God is. You were what people look at to know whether this good news of Jesus is true or not. Is it's work out in my life is whether I'm on mission or not. And listen, it'll make you late. Ever seen before? You'll cry, you'll say, God, why? You'll give up things, you'll do stupid things. Like what I mean is like, you'll put other people before yourself. You'll take your resources and give it to others. And, and you'll hear of situations and people you know and don't know. And you just, you just, you're just all in. And then you say to yourself, you do this big thing and you sacrifice and you're all in. And then, and you're just like, okay. And then you think you've arrived. And the Lord says, more, more. John Wimber, who founded the Vineyard uh, Group of Churches, said that every step in the kingdom will cost you everything that you've gained before. And it's just more and more and more. And you say to yourself, well, gosh, Jesus, that's pretty demanding. It's like you want my whole life. And he does. And yet, didn't we know when he told us about this deal? Didn't we know? Because what drew us all to it was that God himself, God's son, became one of us. He lived a perfect life that the righteousness of God would be given to us. Even though we've never lived a perfect life, God views us having lived a perfect life. And then God put that own sin that we've all done upon Jesus. And he was crucified for all people. He literally gave up his whole life. And then he was dead for three days in the grave. And then he rose from the grave and defeated death itself. And then told everybody about it for 40 days and ascended to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit. So didn't we know that that's God's MO for you and I? I mean, didn't he tell his disciples? He says, he says, pick up your cross and follow me. I mean, that's the whole thing is, is come to me and die that you may live. He who tries to save his life will lose it. He who loses his life will save it. And I remember as a, as a young man and as a young Christian, I was so sure that God was going to wreck my life. And he did. And I'm so glad because the life that I saw before me, the life that I was seeking after food and drink and clothes and just seeking after those things, it was so low compared to the life I've lived. 30 plus years of following him. 
I'm so glad that he's taken my life. I'm so glad that he's wrecked my life because I'm experiencing real life. And and many of you know that. But are you on mission? What are you on mission for today? And and this is just, um, this is the cliff notes. Like I've told you before, I, 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 I'm, been working out more. I know you can tell. Um, yeah. Uh, middle-aged man, you know. And so for, for a few years, I was back in the gym and, and I was doing workouts that like I did. I'm like, yeah, it feels good. But I sat there saying to myself, like, man, I don't, I don't feel the pain like I used to. Like, see, I'm in better shape. No, <laughs> I wasn't working out as hard. And then so I, I went and worked out with my sons and they would show some things. This is what we do. I'm like, oh, that hurts. <laughs> because the muscles are stretching. And, 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 but then I'm like, oh, now I'm on the way to better shape. So it is in the kingdom. This is just the cliff notes. And I'm just telling you, this is the way that it works. When it hurts, when you sacrifice, there you are. You're in the kingdom. But then you realize, oh, what I'm sacrificing, it's, that's nothing because I'm gaining Christ. And as you're doing that, he's calling you into deeper and deeper and deeper joy in him. I was talking to somebody a while back and um, they're very generous, all things in their life. And and, uh, um, and they've done some things for the church here and stuff. And I just said, I said, thank you for your generosity. This is great. And they said, hey, uh, this is just how I'm living out my faith. And they just said, um, they said, I, a while back, I said, I, I sat, I decided I would try to outgive God. And they said, you know, I'm failing miserably. Failing miserably. And so you, you are a gift to this church. You are a gift to your family. You are a gift to Kansas City, to your neighborhood, to your school, to your workplace. You are a gift. There's no one like you. God has put things in you that he hasn't put in others. Your unique mix and the way you experience him and the life you've lived and those things, he's put that in you for others to enjoy. That's what it means to be on mission. That's what it means for God's kingdom to come is for a real life person to say, I'm going to be the person God called me to be. I'm not going to play the games over here with this system and these things and seek after this. I'm going to seek after God's kingdom. And you'll see his kingdom come over and over and over again in your life. Isn't that good? I'm going to close with these words. They're from a, a, a pastor uh, who was martyred in Zimbabwe many years ago. And this is just the first part of something that was found in his desk. He says, I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. 
I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense and my future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, chintzy giving, and dwarfed goals. And so, Lord, we say, let it be with us. Let it be that we, your people, are on mission with you. Let it be, God, that time and time again, we seek your kingdom first. We seek your will, your righteousness first. God, I pray that you'd keep us um, on a short line that when we wander in our hearts, God, after other things, that you'd pull us back to your kingdom quickly, God. And, and Lord, I feel like you say to us, you say, give me everything and watch what I do. Give me everything and watch what I do. Yeah, that, that's a word from the Lord to us. Give me everything and watch what I do. And so if, if that's your heart, just say that to him right now. Just say, Lord, I give you everything. I trust you. I surrender everything to you. Oh, Lord, we, we're, we're, we're so used to being satisfied upon the things that don't nourish, Lord. And yet you are the only one, the only thing that truly satisfies our souls. We were made for you, God. We are made for you. You're the highest of highs and you're the king. And you take up residence in us. So Holy Spirit, come. We give you our lives, our hearts, our resources, all that we are, God. Yeah, and just as we go into worship, ask him real quick, say... Ask him what your mission is. Say, Lord, show me where my mission is. Show me who my mission is. I'll go. Show me what to do. Show me what my part is in, in, in your mission. And listen. Thanks for listening this week. If you are looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, go to vkcwest.com. 